This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So today I'm honored to have as a very special guest the author of a New York Times bestseller, author of a number of books, uh, the most recent being Tickled, subtitled The Common Sense Guide to the Present Moment, as well as a podcast host, How to Tickle Yourself, and uh, home-brewing kombucha aficionado, Duff McDonald. Hi, Duff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me uh, on the show, Ian. Happy to be here. Well, it's, it's such a, a coincidence that um, I think you contacted me a while ago, could have been a year ago, because you'd come across Booch News and uh, one, you, you, were think, you were writing about kombucha, you, you wanted to know about it, and I kind of immediately referred you to the queen of kombucha, the kombucha mama, Hannah Crum, and on one episode of your own podcast, you interview Hannah, and then you also interview Adam, who hosts or who produces Laughing Gut Kombucha on the East Coast. So, you know, I want to hear all about your kombucha uh, story, which there is a chapter on it in the, the book I mentioned, uh, Tickled. But the, the, going back to the beginning, uh, you might already covered this in the book, but when did you kind of meet your first SCOBY? When did kombucha enter your life? And, and so, how did that happen? Um, it, uh, it, in 2016, I remember it well. I had just finished a uh, book uh, called The Golden Passport about Harvard Business School and the failures of um, the, what I called the MBA elite. And it had taken me, it took everything out of me. I was exhausted. I was angry about, um, you know, the state of our, uh, sort of corporate capitalism, and I was spending the summer on the beach in New York in Rockaway, and a guy, a Californian guy was there, a guy from uh, San Francisco, and he he refused to shop anywhere but at Whole Foods, and um, he came back one day from Whole Foods and pulled some bottles out of his bag, and one of them was a GT's uh, ginger ale. And I'd never even seen them before. So first of all, the bottle shape captured my attention. Uh, and I saw ginger ale. I was like, what is this? And he said, just try it. And uh, Hannah told me a similar story when we spoke. Uh, the first sip, everything, like it hit me like a, a, you know, smack in the face. It sort of woke me up. Uh, the flavor assault was... Um, like delightful and shocking um and as a former uh drinker like as a alcoholic i had quit drinking years before um as someone who'd been in search for um a drink that would replace alcohol in in all the ways sort of entertainment taste variety um uh, suddenly it just sort of leapt out at me. And before I knew it, I was drinking uh, four or five GTs a day. And hmm. um, it didn't take long before I started wondering whether um, I could afford uh, this new addiction that I had. It was, it was, not, it was a straight-up addiction, but, you know, I was fine with it because it's good for you. 
Uh, and at that point, I started looking for um, kombucha in bulk or, or like in larger uh, volumes and in uh, the you know five dollar bottle at retail. And I found um, a store up here near me near Woodstock, New York, uh, opened by the founders of Brooklyn Kombucha. Um, and they sold this brand called Catalyst on tap, uh, which was amazing. The, I love the, their jasmine flavor. is one of the best I've ever had. Um, and then uh, after a time, the guy who was running that store was also making scobies uh, for people, um, you know, who wanted to do some home brewing. And I started, I was hanging around the store all the time because I was so in love with kombucha. And he finally persuaded me to brew my first batch in like early 2017. Yeah, well, it's uh, eerily reminiscent of my own journey. I, I gave up alcohol 12 years ago. I, I typically tell people I, I, I didn't have a problem with alcohol. I just kind of, I guess, just decided it wasn't going to be part of my life anymore. And I got sick of Calistoga water, of pineapple juice, and whatever else were the options for, you know, sober people, especially when you go out and Exactly like you, I, I was consuming a case of GTs a week at least and realized I was spending over $100 a month. And, and I went to Hannah's uh, kombucha camp uh, online, ordered a SCOBY from her. It arrived in the mail with the ceramic continuous brew container, and I've been brewing ever since. And I, I think, uh, you know, GT Dave's, I, I, I honor him being a billionaire because I think he's responsible for creating the, the market with his very – uh, tasty and well-produced range of kombuchas, which is now available everywhere. But for homebrewers like us, um, it's way more economical and more fun. And I'm curious, in your book, you, you title it, I think, Infinite Possibilities. What's, what, what, are the, what are the infinite possibilities of kombucha for you? And why did you choose so, that? Yeah, so, um, you know, as a, as a purchaser of, of kombucha at retail, uh, you know, anyone who's, who's paid attention and sort of searched for it, you know, we, there are, there's, there's an endless variety, right? You know, it just depends on who's making it and what flavors they like. So as you track yourself, right, thousands upon thousands of different flavors are available in the store. Um, and so uh, I assume like a lot of people, I basically, anytime I saw kombucha, as long as it wasn't something way outside my taste preference zone, I would buy it just to see what it tasted like. And um, so that to me was wonderful to start. But then when uh, I started making it at home, I realized that there was a whole other um, aspect to that possibility that I hadn't really contemplated, right? And I mentioned this in the book. Like at one point I used to tell people it's it's the, the greatest drink ever because there are so many flavors think of all the flavors and then um then i realized one day i was like oh no as a kombucha home brewer it's not quite all the flavors you can make it's the flip side of that which is it's any flavor you want it to be and I suddenly realized that in, you know, I have 10 gallons brewing at all times now, right? And we 
put it into um, either kegs or uh, you know bo bottles of varying sizes. But if we do the the our typical bottle, we get um, 15 plus bottles out of a five gallon vat. So if we're doing both of them, we have 30 bottles to flavor. And the the joy and sort of enthusiasm and excitement in our house, uh, which includes me, my wife, and my daughter, of what flavor are we going to do this time, um, uh, changed uh, for me. And I think, that, like, some people think that I'm sort of losing my marbles when I say this, but um, I, I don't. I, I obviously disagree. It's it moved me from the realm of choice, right? Like if you go to a store and you buy a kombucha, choice, there you're done. You have to buy one if you're a consumer at retail. But at home, home making it at home, I I daydream about this stuff all day, and that's the realm of possibility. And it occurred to me that that's a place you want to be in your entire life, not just as regards homebrewing kombucha. But what I have found is that residing in that place in your mind and your consciousness for one purpose, say the making of kombucha, so that you will find yourself there for other purposes because you are accustomed to hanging out there. So. Uh, you know, it, I called the chapter Infinite Kombucha because I think it really sort of helped nudge me towards a place of possibility rather than of choice, which um, I've subsequently realized is where you want to your consciousness to reside. You want to be open to anything that's possible. You don't want to be getting to certainty uh, before you should. Yeah, and I mean, what you're, what you're hinting at here, if anybody who hasn't takes a look at your uh, book, I recommend it. It's on Amazon, uh, Duff McDonald Tickled, and certainly listens to any of the many, I don't know how many, hundred episodes of podcasts that you and your uh, colleague Matt have done. This is one, I mean, you're about what you call being tickled, which is, uh, not like a child tickled by the mother, but uh, by things that intrigue and, and open you to possibilities, like you said. And there's a whole range of philosophies around this, from Eastern, what you could call it, mystical approaches to life, maybe uh, Sri Aurobindo and so on, to how to live life to the full, which of which kombucha seems to be a, a cornerstone or, or a, was an avenue for you to explore further. So probably more than we can go into it any depth on this podcast, but it, you're almost, I would say, like a philosopher of kombucha. You're not just a guy who boils tea, puts a bit of sugar in, comes back and drinks it a week later. Um, well, you know, it, it, that's, 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 uh, it's, that, I love hearing that. It's that, like, if people would call me that, I'd, I'd take it. But, like, you're, you're mm -hmm. onto a very good point. It's, I, um, during quarantine, um, which, uh, which is when I wrote Tickled, I had um, sort of a series of revelations about my own existence. And um, kombucha, you know, one of the things I realized was that everything's connected, right? So both 
in time and in space in every direction. So we tend to, you know, think of sequential causation. I did this and this is what caused that and this led me to this. But, um, you know, from the vantage point, from any vantage point, you can look back and sort of see how you got to a place and how all sorts of factors were pushing you or the results of choices you made. And so I can't really tease out whether kombucha caused this or was part of it or was simply a, um, an example of something that was happening to me. But you're right. I started realizing when, um, you know, we were all quarantined at home, uh, suddenly uh, it occurred to me uh, that I had everything I needed, even though, you know, we couldn't leave our houses. And, you know, a lot of people took that to be a constraint. And suddenly for me, a month into it, I was like, oh, my God, no. Like, fine, there is the constraint that you can't go do a bunch of stuff that you were doing a month ago. But you can still essentially do whatever you want to do in any given moment, right? So like if you and I are talking and I finish speaking, you can reply in any way you want, right? You have that choice in a moment. And kombucha mm-hmm. sort of fell into that thing. It was suddenly I was like, oh, my God. Um, if all you have to do is give yourself, um, put yourself in a position to make choices, and um, if, if you don't focus on the limitations, and you focus on the possibilities, you realize that we have near infinite freedom in any given moment. And kombucha was the same way. And if you look at Hannah's book, right, how many recipes are in there? Like 200 or something? And mm-hmm. um, we just made another one. My, wa- my wife made one for uh, the holidays. Uh, we used the Laughing Gut Scoby, which Adam Benziger gave us. The, the, it's so good. And we made lavender clove, mm. and it's delicious. And, um, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do that if we weren't messing around with a thing that allowed you to make that, you know, kind of free range of choices. So um, kombucha for me really did um, end up jumping out of my life at me and saying, you know, I am an example of the power of possibility. And um, I can't stop writing and talking about it, right? I'm, the reason I contacted you uh, months ago was because I pitched a story to Audible, an audiobook um, about kombucha. I'm almost done that piece. And um, I could talk about it all day long because it makes me so excited. And like you said, it tickles me. It's something that makes me happy to, to be alive. Yeah. Now, given that you're very passionate about this, you're living in uh, what is that upstate New York? I guess is considered right. It's in the Hudson Valley, I yeah. think. Uh, Woodstock. Yeah. What? I'm always curious to know what reception does your uh, circle of friends, your acquaintances uh, outside of your immediate family, what reception do you have? Because I find I get pushback. You know, some people uh, come to my house. We had Thanksgiving here. I, I had kombucha available. Of course, most people were on wine and so on. But some people just, they're almost 
they're adamantly never going to taste it. And if they do, they wrinkle their nose. And, and, and so not everybody like you and I know it, know it is this elixir that get, grabs us. What, what, what's your perception of the, of the public's response to it uh, that you've seen and experienced? So there, there are a few people who don't like kombucha, obviously. My ex-wife doesn't mm-hmm. like it. Um, mm. uh, but her husband and my daughter love it. Um, so for me, I think the most we we came up with an idea where we go down to this um, uh, brewing supply store in New Paltz called Pantano's Bottling and Supply or something, and we buy cases of uh, clear glass with the Grolsch uh, style flip top on them because mm-hmm. we find they hold the. And at first, I was very. Um, uh, adamant that anyone I gave a bottle to had to bring the bottle back. Uh, I realized after a time that that was just sort of asking too much to give someone a gift and say, but you have to return the packaging. And um, so I have found that almost everyone who visits here likes it, uh, with you know maybe 10% exception. Uh, I find that people who are alcohol drinkers uh, you know, big wine aficionados or big beer aficionados, they are less interested uh, in engaging with it than people who are not big drinkers. I find that people who don't drink a lot of alcohol uh, take to it a lot uh, easier. Uh, but um, I would bet you at this exact point in time, there's probably 40 or 50 people who I know who have one of my empty bottles in their house. Hmm. So we found that people uh, both um, enjoy the taste and are also happy to take uh, bottles home with them. That's great. Well, that, yeah, that, that you're doing, you're uh, evangelizing it then around uh, your circle of friends. And I think that's the way through word of mouth or word of taste that it, it's becoming known. Um, it was interesting. I've not heard that. Uh, but I agree. I think the people who are regular wine and beer drinkers, it's not got a place in their lives for them. Uh, whereas people like you and I, or even people who drink occasionally, uh, but are not totally teetotal, it's a it's a it's a great option. Which which, given the statistics I've seen on, especially, I don't know what age your daughter is. She's in her twenties or late teens. That generation. No, no, my daughter's fourteen. I thought kids oh, wouldn't 14, be into it. Sorry. No, I yeah. think the younger um, one, especially, you know, the Gen Z or whatever they're called. I, I, years ago, I published something on Butch News from the UK, the London Times, that 35% of all under 25-year-olds don't drink. You know, they're, they, they don't choose to, which is interesting in Britain because a lot of them get very wasted on a lot of alcohol every weekend. But um, that's, that's interesting. So you've never thought of, uh, of course, you probably have a, a very full calendar with your writing, but you've never thought of taking the leap into commercial brewing and opening your own little brewery there in Woodstock. You know, the thought has occurred to me. Uh, it's been suggested by um, uh, some of the friends who really like it and would like mm-hmm. more availability. Um, and, you know, we've mulled it over. 
um, visiting Adam Benziger of Laughing Gut down in Poughkeepsie uh, for the podcast, um, you know, made us realize, uh, you know, it's not a it's not a giant operation uh, to um, to go pro. Um, all that said, um, as a writer. Uh, and one who, you know, at this particular stage in my career, I'm 51, and, um, you know, I have steady uh, income. I write about what I want to write about and um, sort of have a freedom and flexibility and a very high margin uh, job, right? So all it takes is my focus and effort. Um, the 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 idea of being responsible for unit sales and unit margins and uh, word of mouth um, marketing at things like farmers markets there's a part of me that it, it, it that's just not that appealing um, yeah. I'd rather at this stage just give it away I don't need the money. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm wealthy by any means, but I don't need the money that I might make from selling kombucha. So there's a part of me that doesn't feel the need to do so. Yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat as you. I started brewing my own 12 years ago, but at that point I was working in Silicon Valley. My wife wouldn't have appreciated me working away from a six-figure job to maybe roll the dice and it's also that I mean I've met with many commercial brewers both in person like I was just in Berlin and met a dozen or so there as well as um, on the phone and it, it, it's it's incredibly hard work it's like craft beer you know it, you've got to be there right you've got to be pumping gallons or liters of liquids into fermentation vessels chilling it bottling canning distributing I mean the people who do it I think it's you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it, and you already do love kombucha. But like you, I give, and I think a lot of home brewers do, uh, give away their uh, to their circle of friends the samples, uh, the, the, you know, the excess, because you you can't stop kombucha from fermenting if you say go away for a week. Right. Like I was. That's an, and, you know uh, that's another thing, right? As writers, uh, if I choose to. Uh, and I work. I've I've worked for myself for 25 years, right? If I want to, I can um, stop doing whatever I'm doing and do whatever it is I want to do for two weeks, a month, to to have the responsibility of a of a, a scaled up kombucha operation where you basically cannot look away. Um, mm. You know, we have. My wife and I have two cats, and um, everyone we, uh, who comes to visit us, we're, we're just outside Woodstock. We're in the woods, and all the dog lovers are like, you should get a dog. Why don't you have a dog? And the answer is because I don't need uh, a baby, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a cat you can feed. You can leave food. You can leave for a couple of days. They'll be fine. We have a cat door, and... Mm -hmm. They can take care of themselves. Uh, dogs are needy. Uh, to me, a, a, a scale kombucha operation is like starting a family, right? I'm at the part in my, my life where I don't need 
uh, more children. I'm happy with the one miracle I already have. Yeah, yeah. What, so, I mean, just to begin wrapping this up then, I mean, again, I'd encourage people to uh, check out your book on Amazon, Tickled, uh, and also check out the podcast, How to Tickle Yourself, which is on all of the usual uh, podcast avenues, I guess, Audible, I mean, um, Spotify and, and the rest. Um, what, what is your um, setup at home? I think you mentioned five-gallon fermentation. Is that we ceramic? Have, we have two ceramic uh, Ohio stoneware um, uh, vats with, uh, with the ceramic lids. Uh, we get some fruit flies here in summer, so we use linen over uh, top of those in the hot months. We have a – I bought a kegerator uh, for my mm-hmm. birthday, for my 50th birthday, that holds um, two five-gallon kegs. So we have two flavors on tap generally at most times. Um, we don't do continuous brew. Uh, I'll stop every now and then. And um, the one thing I do, which um, various I've seen various sources warn against, including Hannah, uh, I'll just put my scobies in the fridge um, oh. if I want to stop for a little bit. And they're, they're always fine. Um, mm. But we, we tend to have 10 gallons in... Uh, brewing 10 gallons in kegs and up, you know, somewhere up to 10 gallons in bottles. So I have roughly 30 gallons in the house at any one time in various stages. And is this in a spare room, a garage, or you've got a basement? No, or? it's in it's in the living room. So we have a oh. <laughs> we have a sorry we have like an entry room into our living room that uh-huh. um, is, is almost like a, you know, the, the stairs to upstairs come out of it. So there I have the, the brew set up on a cart uh, and the kegerators right there too. So it's sort of off the living room. We did buy, because we make so much, we bought, we have a kombucha fridge, um, yeah. which, is, which is in the, off the, in the screened in ports because, we, there was too much going. Our, our normal fridge couldn't handle it. Um, and we put in an extra shelf uh, in the kitchen, like uh, well above one of the counters, where we do the second ferment. Because if we have 20 or 30 uh, bottles, we, we, they also need a place. So we have a high shelf in the kitchen where we let those sit um, uh, while, you know, before we put them in the fridge. And how do you manage when you obviously – New York, East Coast, you probably already have had snow and stuff. How do you manage when the temperature dips in the winter? Do you keep them uh, with a heating pad or heat the whole room uh, for the summer? I bought these, um, you know, we keep the room at 70 during the day, so they brew, they'll they brew during the day. Um, we do let it go down into the 60s or 50s at night. So I bought um, – uh, uh, these uh, things from fermentaholics um, that are that are sort of a heating thing that goes around the vat and you know, hold it on with a rubber band. And I found yeah. that those um, I don't 
like I'm at a point now where I don't actually monitor the temperature um, on an ongoing basis. So I don't know. They may not be doing anything at night. But um, I checked this morning both of the current um, VATs. And listening to them, I could hear the, the, the fermentation action bubbling away. Um, mm in the morning, so at like 9.30 or so. And so the heat hadn't even been on for that long at that point. So um, the heating pads may do the trick or it may have, you know, they may just start up in the mornings again. Yeah, and, and you talked about the possibly infinite kombucha flavors. Do you, do you uh, change around the teas you use or you've pretty much got a formula for, is it green? green we, um, we use, uh, last time I spoke to you, I was a little embarrassed because you were talking about your, your Darjeeling tea. Um, and we basically have, you know, bought a bunch from Amazon. We, we use for, we make some Jun, so we use gunpowder green tea. Uh, and we've been buying some of these from like uh, Anthony's Organic or Solstice Tea Traders. We don't go crazy mm -hmm. on the teas themselves. Our big thing is... Um, at least, uh, so we have a growing dome here, and which is, you know, four seasons. So um, we try to the best of our ability to flavor um, our kombucha with stuff that we grew here. Not because, um, you know, not out of a, of a um, hardcore uh, sustainable uh, philosophy, but just we think it tastes better. And mm. we have a well, so we have well water, uh, our own scobies, obviously, and we tend to use food we've grown, so we know exactly what is in our kombucha. And I think the combination of the well water and sort of the homegrown, like lavender and mint and some of the berries, um, we try also, I talk about this in the book too, um, I loved GTs until I suddenly um, tasted some other varieties of kombucha and realized that there's so much in GTs. It's, it became overwhelming, and I realized I wanted to go in the other direction. So we go for subtle um, more than anything. So we try a minimal amount of flavor the the minimum amount of flavoring you can use and still um be a noticeable taste right so mm. um we use as as few berries or leaves or flowers or what have you as is conceivably possible um mm. so that um you're you're tasting more of the kombucha itself than the flavors uh, and I find that um, that sort of the the less not more thing. A uh, lot of people who like our stuff point that out um, and say that they appreciate that sort of the subtlety of it, as opposed to the you know trying to jam. Um, uh, I, like I don't even know what's in a synergy uh, GTS, but it's there's a lot in there. Right. Well, I think, you know, there is definitely an element in the commercial market that I would have called it the higher end or at least the people who charge 
big bucks for their kombuchas. Often there's some companies, a couple in the U.S., a couple in England I'm aware of, who sell basically champagne-type kombucha, in, literally in champagne bottles. And they're quite, they're usually unflavored. They just use the teas as yeah. a distinguishing factor. And I was, on my blog, I just posted about uh, this guy today in uh, Berlin, a Polish guy, but he's uh, in Berlin with the Cafe Berbucha. And he's got like just, 20 kinds of tea and everything comes down to which tea flavor and then he'll put a few maybe medicinal herbs in but uh, there's a whole different world i think of people experimenting with just the tea being you know like in the world of tea there's people who now will spend they don't just get lipton or darjeeling even but they'll they'll get rare puree teas or whatever and make kombucha with it but well this is this has been great um talking with you and you know like you said you've got a lot more to say about kombucha so in the book here's a chapter there's two episodes of the podcast it sounds like you do we know when this audible book how will that be publicized or i don't i don't know the i don't know the timing on it but if there's um but uh my website uh, theduffproject.com. Once it's out, it'll be up on there, or we'll have links to it. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out. It'll be a, it'll be a while yet. Yeah. All right. Well, great talking to you, and uh, happy brewing. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me and um, letting me share this because it's like, as you know, and as probably all your listeners know, it's a different kind of hobby, and um, it's it's. For something so simple, right, make some teas, put your scoby in, wait a little bit, put it in a bottle, wait a little bit, drink it. Uh, it's opened up um, so many avenues in the imagination uh, that I'll take any opportunity to talk about it that I can find. So I appreciate it. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.